Sit down. <laughs> hey, it's 11:20. This is awesome. You'll beat the Baptists or you'll beat the Methodists to Watts at this point. So, get you out of here. How many has ever gone to Watts after church? Anybody? A lot of you. Yeah. What time do the crowds start coming? 12:30? Oh, we just get out of here at noon. We're good then, right? I recommend their, uh, what's that one I get, Pam? Swiss steak. I recommend their Swiss steak. All right, Father, thank you so much for Jesus. And just appreciate the, the worship, Lord. And, and just, Lord, I love you and I'm grateful. I'm a thankful son. I'm a, I'm a very grateful, thankful son. And I ask you to help me, Lord. And I know you want to speak to your people in all different ways. And I want to work with you, God, because you know what you're doing. So I release my heart, my spirit, my tongue to you, Lord, for you to speak through. And just fill me up, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Open our hearts and minds to the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, this past week, how many of you all know, how many of you all knew Terry Wilson? Anybody know Terry? We love Terry so much. And Terry went on to be with the Lord, was it Tuesday or Monday? It was Tuesday, yeah. So keep his wife Carol in your prayers. I don't, as the last I knew, there was no service planned. There's going to eventually be a memorial service or something. But keep Carol Wilson in your prayers. She's living in Johnstown, I think, now. But we just love Terry. You know, I always told Terry he was a true disciple, went through witnessing and teaching people at that time about sharing their faith. And Terry went out and bought all these little seeds. Anybody remember that? Did he ever give you one of those packets? Anybody remember the seed packets? I still, I, I still, I have a few of them in my drawer. And he would go everywhere and he'd give out these seeds. And I always thanked him for being a disciple. He, he did what we taught and he did that a lot. And I think he did it right up as long as he was able to do it. He was still giving out seeds, and he would tell me his adventures, and I appreciated it. It takes a little courage to share your faith, you know, and Terry was faithful at doing that. So he had a lot of questions, too, about life, and we used to teach, you know, talk about healing, and his wife had passed away. I think it was from cancer, wasn't it? Or heart, was it heart? It's cancer. Yeah, and he had a lot of questions about it, and uh, it does raise questions, right? A lot of life does raise questions, but you know now his questions are answered, aren't they? They are. He's with Jesus, and, you know, he's probably seen his first wife um, who passed away. I'm sure she met him there, and all his questions are, you know, answered. His faith has become sight. And then, I don't know how many of you knew Michelle Doran. She went to the lighthouse. Anybody know her? She was 52, and I knew her, and I loved her. I love, love her husband, Dave. Uh, and their whole family, they were a very, very big part of uh, Lighthouse. She went to be with the Lord a couple days ago. Uh, I, think, I think Thursday. Wasn't it Thursday? Or was it Friday? Thir huh? Wednesday. Okay. So she went on to be with the Lord. So keep Dave and their family. She has a lot of daughters. How many daughters does she have? Four daughters. And four, really, four sons too? Wow. So she had eight children, and you know, that's, you know, it's very challenging. So keep uh, her in your prayer, too. And I think it's fitting at today's topic. This is like Sunday school, by the way. So this is an or Wednesday night. 
So we're going to do like a Wednesday night Sunday school setting, but it's very fitting for the scriptures I've chosen today. I've started, by the way, Galatians on Wednesday night. We've had two weeks, and I think we've got through four verses. Did we make it through a, <laughs> make it through a verse last week? Larry, did we get that far? We got talking about righteousness, and Larry picked up a stone to throw at me. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. And anyway, um, so if you can come on Wednesday nights, we're really breaking it down. Galatians is a very interesting book, but it's much like today. We want to do these sit-down Sundays because if you have questions or we just want to break the Bible down. How many remember a few weeks ago I taught about? Like how to, how to read the Bible and how the Bible's full of allegories and types and shadows and all that. And, and if you're reading in the, in the Old Testament especially and you're trying to have it make sense, sometimes the Bible doesn't make sense. I remember a lady asking me questions at a uh, former church I went to. And, I, you know, it's just hard to explain some things unless you have a context for it. We live in a new covenant with God, and yet the old covenant has a lot of stuff that just doesn't. If you're reading in the New Testament and you're just go back to the old, it kind of doesn't make sense until you understand a bigger picture from God. And some things still, how many has it all figured out? Because if you do, you should be up here teaching, you know, not me. So let's go to the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk and Larry. Larry's forming a separate group. They're calling it Habakkuk. Is that what you said? <laughs> Habakkuk. That's your kids. That's a, that's a third division over there. So um, Habakkuk was a prophet, and he was a prophet in, the, what, was that, what would that be like? So it was the 21st, so he'd be the 7th century, which would mean in the 600 B.C. time frame. And Israel had already been uh, conquered, and Judah was under siege. They were going to get in trouble. They were getting ready to be judged. And he had questions for God, and he was very troubled. He did a lot of intercession, prayer for his people. And his name actually means, does anybody know what his name means, Habakkuk? It means to hug or to embrace. Isn't that interesting? Or even to caress. But his name means to hug. And if you read this book, his name is almost fitting to the topic. And... Um, I kind of call this in some ways uh, a last days book. There are a lot of questions here that we think about God's judgment and how God deals with his people. There's a lot of questions that Habakkuk asked that we could ask in our day. And I don't know about you, and, and I don't want to go too far politically, but some of us were kind of distraught in the last election or even distraught over how things are the, the direction of our country. Things, anybody have anything that may be bothering them right now in our nation? Anybody? Okay, we won't go there. Well, I'm, not, I'm trying to be really good. I just, I came out of that election and now that season, I just had a lot of questions. I really did. I was dumbfounded and I almost didn't even want to talk about it for two or three months. I just, I was just dumbfounded by it. And I just, you know, Lord, what happened? And I remember the Lord speaking to me so clearly uh, after that election, I didn't know what to do. I was taken by surprise. The things that I believe were going to happen didn't happen. The direction of our country is surprising me. And the Lord gave me Luke 18.1. Does anybody remember that? Luke 18.1 says that men ought always to pray and not give up. So above everything, the Lord was teaching me, no matter what happens in the natural realms of life, that we should not ever give up. 
as long as there's breath in us and we should be praying for our nation, praying for the direction of our, our, our country. But another thing happened to me too, and this happened maybe you know, a year later and on down the road. I've really come to the place where I honestly believe that God and his son Jesus Christ are our only hope. If anything changes in our nation politically or economically or in any direction, I just really believe it's going to be God. I don't think it's going to be a man. God, does God use people? Man, of course he does. So, you know, I'll vote my conscience like you will too. And I'll pray like you will too. And if I need to speak out on issues, I will. But I've really dropped my confidence that men can fix the mess. Just don't believe they can. Um, yeah, just so much, yeah, so many things that happen that are beyond our control. There's so much deception, so much lying going on. And it's just like, Lord, what, what do you do? So in a sense, Habakkuk, some of his answers, I looked in here, I'm like, I felt like I was Habakkuk or Habakkuk-y, you know, that God was telling me the conclusion, like, Brad, you got to keep praying and keep believing me. So let's go into this. And look at uh, Habakkuk's questions. Have any of you ever had questions for God? What are some questions we ask God? This is Sunday school, guys. What, what, uh, what kind of questions do we ask God? Why did that happen? You're the only ones ever. Anybody else ever ask that question? Why, God? Anybody ever go in a healing line and the person next to you gets healed? Maybe the one I'm, and you don't. Anybody ever happen to you? Yeah, you're like, hey, wait a minute, you know, what, why? I don't, I don't get it. What else? What, what other questions might we ask God? How much longer? That's a huge question in the Bible. Who are some people in the Bible that ask God questions? Can you think, think as you're, who said that? Joe, Joe, Job? No, Joe and Randy. Yeah, Job asked God a lot of questions, you know. And it's interesting, Habakkuk and Job, neither one was censored by God for asking questions. Why do you think that is? Why didn't God get on them for asking questions? Can we ask God questions in a, in a wrong way? Yeah, I think so. You can disrespectful or ang anger. I know people that are angry. Do you sense that Job or Habakkuk were angry at God? You know, they, had, they had sincere questions, didn't they? So it's not wrong to ask sincere questions, is it? Or, or is it? We just, no. I, I'll leave it out. Anybody else ever have questions for God? Something else you, you want to share? Why me, Lord? Isn't there a song? Yeah. And that song was actually because of God's grace, right? He was actually, what have I ever done to deserve the grace on me? Well, Habakkuk has questions. He doesn't understand what's going on. And so he's going to ask God some questions. So let's get into this and let's see what Habakkuk asked God. Chapter 1, verse 1. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. Interesting, I got to stop right there. He said he saw something. Isn't that interesting that prophets see stuff? I saw something this morning. I, I didn't feel led to share it right then. Maybe I'll share it at the end of my message. And um, it just started, I don't know, several years back, I just started seeing things in the Spirit. Anybody else ever see things in the Spirit you know, I mean, without sounding goofy and crazy? Anybody see them regular, like pretty regular? You know, yeah. And 
There is a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's called the discerning of spirits, where you can actually see into the spirit. Some people actually see angels and demons. Doesn't that sound crazy? Like, why? Yeah. Who's ever seen an angel? <clears throat> Long time ago. And who's ever seen an evil spirit? I've seen an evil spirit. Yeah, definitely. I said, Lord, I don't want to see evil spirits. I want to see angels. I'm tired of the evil spirits. You know? But there is, uh, in, in the spirit, I, I was listening uh, to a YouTube thing a couple of days ago, and this lady said that all of a sudden God gave her x-ray vision where she started seeing people in x-ray, and that happened to me several years back. When I get words of knowledge, a lot of times when I see a body part, I'll see an x-ray, of just an x-ray of something, and I'll see it in an x-ray. So, and it's hard to explain how you see things in the spirit. Some people see things just like they're there, and some people see them in the spirit. Has anybody ever had like an open vision where you just like it was right there, like you actually literally were seeing it, Joe, Joe and Patty? I, I have not that I know of. I've had dreams and I, I see things. Okay. So prophets see things in the spirit. Anybody think that's kind of weird <laughs> to see things in the spirit? Okay. They see things in the spirit. Okay. So he, he saw things from the Lord. He says, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? And you not hear. Everybody ever think God doesn't hear them? Nobody, everybody believes when you pray. We know the Bible says that when you pray, if you pray in faith, God hears you, doesn't it? Anybody ever feel like God's not hearing your prayer? Yeah. That's tough, isn't it? It says, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and you not hear? Even cry out to you. Look, there's violence and you will not save. Why do you not show, uh, why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contentions arise. Therefore, the law is powerless. Justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. So what's, what's Habakkuk's first question to God, this huge question he has? He asks how long, but what's he, yes, what's he seeing? I'm going to let someone answer. What's he seeing? Violence, destruction. How about injustice? He's seeing injustice. He says the law is not being enforced. Governments are corrupt. Wicked's doing good. Righteous people are being persecuted. Yeah, that's why I thought, yeah, Linda, I agree. He's seeing our day and age in many ways, and maybe every day and age to some degree, but he's definitely seeing our day and age. No matter, and it doesn't matter, like, left or right, honestly. Like, you know, both sides are always saying there's injustice, and, you know, whether you, wherever you line up, everyone's always saying there's injustice, things are happening. And Habakkuk asked this huge question about, God, why is this stuff going on? Like, why are you letting all this stuff happen? And these are, I call them existential questions that people struggle with. One of the biggest arguments when I talk to atheists about God, one of the biggest things, people that are truly atheists, and almost always this topic comes up, and I'll call it the official theological term, is theodicy. And theodicy basically means, why is there evil in the world? Say, God, if you're all-powerful, 
right? You're all powerful and you're all good. Then why is there evil in the world? And people always, why did this person die? Why did that happen to them? And that's a very difficult question to answer sometimes, isn't it? It's not always uh, the truth of a situation because we don't know the truth of everything. A lot of times it's very emotional. Remember the story I told you about the atheist in Starbucks? Anybody remember that? I went up to this guy and I started talking to him about Jesus and he's just like, he just shut me down. But then he kind of opened up and he was telling me he didn't believe and this is why. And who would, he started talking about theodicy, right? Like evil and all this. When I was patient with him and listened a little bit, it finally got down to the real issue with him that his dad, remember this story? His dad had been a preacher and his dad took off with the church secretary or someone in the church. And that guy, it really wasn't even about, you know, good and evil. It was about, why did my dad leave me? He claimed the name of Jesus and he bolted on me. And so it was really an emotional issue more than it was even a theological or an issue of theodicy. Abandonment. Yeah, and he, did, he didn't understand. Well, that's certainly evil. So God's going to answer uh, Habakkuk. Now, what Habakkuk was asking in Judah, there was tons of sin. If you, re- if you listen or read Ezekiel, you see Ezekiel, God actually lifts him up, and Ezekiel's actually kind of spying on the leaders, and they are wicked. They got idols they're worshiping, they're doing things behind the scenes, they're violent, they're corrupt, they're selfish. Ezekiel talks about selfish prophets, they just want to build their own reputation, they want their own money. They're not really shepherding the sheep. God, so much so, God says, I don't even want you. Sh- I'm going to raise up my own shepherd. Don't walk me too much here, Jesus. He goes, I'm going to raise up my own shepherd, and he's going to shepherd my flock because you guys are wicked and unrighteous. And, and Ezekiel saw he was pretty close to a contemporary of Habakkuk. He came just after when judgment came. And he's saying, so this was Habakkuk's dilemma, like Judah has wicked leaders. So here's what God says to Habakkuk. He says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your day which you would not believe, though it were told you. I I indeed am raising up the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwellings that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Now he goes on and he just tells you about how the Babylonians are going to come in and they're actually going to judge Judah. We get in these discussions sometimes about the sovereignty of God, like, you know, how many believe God's sovereign, like overall? So um, amidst the sovereignty of God, and some people lean more, how much is human responsibility? Where does human will come into all this? With God, Jesus is Lord, God is sovereign, and yet you can easily say, okay, if God is sovereign, then why does all this wickedness happen? You're telling me he is controlling the little child that's kidnapped in Thailand and sold into slavery? he's He's controlling that? That's a weak argument. Oh, yeah, God's behind. No, I don't think so. I believe he is sovereign. You can see here that he's going to judge the nations, but I think in the just forgive me. I think in the discussion about sovereignty, we have to understand God is sovereign. Does God have a plan? We're gonna get, he has a plan. He's telling them, okay, I'm laying back 
and I'm letting people do what they're doing. Isn't he saying that? They're doing wicked. I'm looking, Ezekiel, look at this. Why didn't God judge them 10 years before? 20 years before. Why didn't he just instantly whack them? Right? Why didn't he do that? I'm just, I'm, I'm still teaching. I'm stood up. It's kind of, why do you think God's, what's he waiting on? Thank, okay, excellent. I mean, that's where I would go straight away. That's definitely a main reason. Or God's mercy triumphs over his judgment. Did he not send them prophets? One, didn't they kill him? From the blood of Abel to Zacharias the prophet, God would send people and they'd kill them. Yeah, in, fa- in fact, ultimately, the ultimate judgment happened in 70 AD. Who did God send before he judged Israel? In 70 AD, and that's when Judaism really dispersed, and it wasn't until 1968, really, that they got Jerusalem back. Who did he send to warn them before he destroyed them and scattered them around the world in 70 AD? Who did he send? It's not hard. If you just say the main person in the Bible, you're going to get it right. Jesus. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. If you don't know, be like that kid in Sunday school. Jesus. You just make every answer is Jesus. What's that? That's when he judged them, though. He destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD. He waited. Right? Yeah, he even waited, like, for a while. God sent Jesus to warn them. If you read Matthew, I know God so loved the world that, oh, man, I want to talk about that. I will before I'm done. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He sent Jesus for that. But if you read Matthew, that whole book is a march to judgment. The whole book, he just keeps telling them, Gets in the, he's telling them, God's, and they ignored him. They didn't listen to him. And even after Jesus died and rose from the dead, it still took until 70 AD before judgment came on Jerusalem. The Word of God says that mercy triumphs over judgment. Peter said that God's long-suffering is what brings men to repentance. He's waiting. He, it says God, would, he wants all men to be saved, so he's waiting. But there comes a time in God's sovereign knowledge where it's like, I really believe that when God judged in Noah's day, that was it. Like, there wasn't any other options. Like, they're all, the Bible says they were all wicked. The word Noah was the only guy. And in order to preserve Noah and his family and the righteous seed, God had to separate out the righteous and he had to bring judgment on the world. What would have happened if Noah would have perished in the flood and God, Noah would have went wicked and his generation would have went wicked? What would have happened? What do you think the ramifications of that would have been? Anybody have an idea? I'll sit down, make it easier for you to answer. What do you think would have happened if Noah had been judged to his family and God had to destroy every human being? There wouldn't be no us. You wouldn't exist. Where would people be that there would be no one that was born up to that time that would have spent eternity with God? Because we all stand guilty before God and they all stood guilty before God. And if Jesus had not been sent and Noah had died, the whole world would have been eternally condemned. But God 
gave Noah grace so he could save humanity. There's even scriptures, and I'm not saying I have a grasp on all of them, about Jesus going into Hades and preaching the gospel to those that were dead. You ever read that? Tartarus. I mean, it's, he had to unload Hades. You know that, right? The abode. He went into paradise for sure and took everybody that was in Abraham's bosom out of paradise. You know that, right? They weren't in heaven. They were in Abraham's bosom waiting. And there were two, I'm getting off my message. I have to get back to it. There were two sides. There was a part of Hades, the abode of the dead, that was Abraham's bosom. And there was a part where that rich man was where he was suffering torment. You guys know that, right? And when Jesus came, he grabbed those guys that were in Abraham's bosom that had lived by faith and trusted God, and he led them captive. Did you know that? Yeah, they were, they were just, Abraham wasn't in heaven. He wasn't born again. He wasn't saved. He had to wait till Jesus came, died, buried, resurrected, and then all of those in Abraham's bosom were able to go and, and be with God, and so shall they ever be. But the rest, if you're not born again, if you don't have your sins forgiven, so God, even God's judgment because of his loving heart is ultimately about his mercy. And because we do have real freedom, and I don't understand, we get in these discussions, I don't understand the balance of how much is, you know, us and God, but God isn't going to force anybody to be saved, is he? I truly believe, I'm satisfied that every human being before God is going to get a chance. I really do. I, I believe that in some way that they're going to be illuminated and God's going to give them a chance. But do you think that we have a responsibility to share the gospel with people? How many of you really believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life? Then we have a responsibility, don't we? So it's not just God, is it? You know, God uses people. Jesus became a people. He became a person. He became totally man. That's, that's like standard Christian faith. He, yeah, he was God in the flesh, but he was totally man, and he operated as a man on the earth because God uses people. That's how he set it up. It would be unjust for God to go fix everything when he gave man dominion, he gave man the earth, he told man to cultivate it, but men just don't do right, do they? Do men do right? Not without God, not without something. So, so God is telling Habakkuk here, he said, I am going to bring judgment, but his long suffering, he didn't even bring it right away in this situation. And then Habakkuk asked him a second question. Okay. Is it 10? It's 10 till, right? I got to be done by noon. I can't believe. See, I, I, I preach too much. I... He asked him a second question. He says, Lord, aren't you from everlasting? I think this is around verse 12. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have appointed them for judgment. O rock, you have marked them for correction. You are purer than to behold evil and cannot look upon wickedness. Why do you look upon those who do treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devour a person more righteous than he? Why do you make men 
like fish of the sea, like creeping things that have no ruler over them. They take up all of them with the hook. They catch them in their net. They gather them in the dragnet. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they sacrifice their net. They burn incense to the dragnet. Because of them, um, their share is sumptuous and their food plentiful. Shall they therefore empty their net and continue to slay without pity? So now he's saying, you got these Babylonians coming in, and they are judging Judah, and they're worse than we are. Right? So here's another, God, why are you allowing, I get it, we got to be judged, but why are you allowing these evil people to come in and judge us? Anybody ever wonder about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says that God's given us all a free will, and it can go a long way. But these these questions about life do uh, come up, and any thinking person is going to ask these questions. So now they're saying these people are worse than us. You don't look on evil; you're totally righteous. So, Lord, what's going on? They're judging us, and they're more wicked. So he says, "Listen, I will stand upon my watch." And I will set myself upon my rampart or upon my tower, and I will watch to see what you will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered and said, write the vision, make it plain on the table that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, and it will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. That scripture is quoted by the Apostle Paul three times in the New Testament. Anybody know where they're at? Yep, Romans 1.17, faith, faith book, Galatians 3.11, faith book, Hebrews 10.38, faith versus law type of book. Paul uses this in his theology about the new creation, about salvation. So God, Habakkuk says, listen, I'm going to get quiet. I don't understand it, and I'm, I'm going to go up on my tower and I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to wait and see how you correct me because of all these questions I have. And then God tells Habakkuk, there is a vision coming, and I need you to write it down. And he's really telling him that my justice is coming. And there's going to be a time when I set everything right. And he's saying, hugger, embracer. My, my hugger, my embracer, the one that's seeking after me, the one that embraces me, the one that hugs me, I want you to write the vision down because it is going to happen. But the proud whose heart is lifted up in him, I'm not happy with them. Those that draw back, the righteous person is going to live by their faith. I got more to say about that. I don't know if I'll have time to. And he goes on to tell him, I can't read it. But in, in chapter two, then he tells them, that he is going to bring worse judgment on the Babylonians. And if you go on and read through chapters 2 and chapter 3, what we see is every 
single person will reap what they sow. Every single person. Let no one gets away with anything. But as believers in God and covenant people with God, we have to live by faith. A lot of times we think, you know, when I think of faith, a lot of times I'll think of what I can get from God or what He's given me in Christ or He's going to empower me to share my faith. I think of that short term, what I'm going to get right now. God, you know, I need to be healed or Lord, I need strength to witness or but a lot of faith in the Bible is about the long run and the big picture. In the end, the Word of God is going to speak. There's even a verse in here, it says, God says that His glory one day is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. There's going to come a time when God's glory is going to be seen like the water covers the sea. And he also says there is going to be a revival. And he's actually, Habakkuk is encouraged to pray for this revival, that there will be a revival and God is going to you know, save people in this revival and His glory will t- come. But one thing about the Christian, we're long-range people. Are there Christians getting killed in our world? We think in American terms, if we can't get a new car every three years, we're suffering, don't we? We think in American terms, like, man, if I, you know, I'm eating hamburger instead of steak, I'm suffering. I tried to witness to somebody and they were mean to me, I'm suffering. And yet, I've seen videos and I hear testimony, I've been to India where we had to run out of a village because Hindus were coming that beat the Christians. And the pastor says, hey, we got to get out of here right now because these people that are coming, they mean business. I've seen testimony and videos in India of people being killed and martyred. Christian girls getting acid thrown on their face. You ever heard of that or seen it? We don't hear about that a lot in our country. People don't talk about it. Christians are getting persecuted the world, world round. One of the things I thought that our nation will, I was praying, I told Gideon this back in September when I was praying, I wrote down in my journal, the Lord said, Russia is going to become active on the world scene. I just wrote it down. And then our country, our president was going to, God had a controversy with him about how Afghanistan was handled. I got more I wrote down about it, abandoning those people the way those girls are treated over there, especially Christian girls. You guys know about that, right? How they're treated. It's injustice. So there's a lot of injustice and a lot of Christians, even through the ages, when the Christians were being martyred in Rome, if you confess Jesus, you know, you'd have to kiss your kids goodbye and I'm like, I'm not going to see you again. That's the type of faith they had. We live in a country, and it's good. We're protected by God. We have rights. We're Christians, and it's wonderful that we have these things. But Christians certainly have to take the long view about things because God's justice doesn't always add up in one day. And things aren't always put right instantly. And if you're going through suffering, 
And if there's questions you can't answer, and if there's things you've gone through, the Lord says, my little one, my righteous one, the just shall live by faith. I mentioned Terry, and I, I've got so much more to say, and I, I don't have time. I didn't even mean to get up and talk so much. I, I want to do more teaching, but you guys are quiet. I said earlier that Terry's, Terry Wilson's faith is now sight, isn't it? It's sight now. He, he understands, and he, he probably is getting a bigger picture of why things are the way they are. God is telling us the righteous person lives by faith. Job said, even if God slays me, yet will I trust him. Jesus went to a cross and died on that cross, casting his spirit into the care of God. He was going to die, and if you believe the Apostles' Creed, he was going to go to Hades for three days and suffer. Okay, and in that situation where he had to cast his whole eternity, his whole existence on God because he was going away to suffer for three days. And he had to trust the Father that the Father was going to resurrect him out of the grave. I mean, that's like ultimate faith. He became sin and he experienced it and he has to believe that in three days I'm going to be raised from the dead. Folks, I have so much more about living by faith. Faith does possess the promise of God. There are things we can believe God for. Jesus did die for certain things in our life, and we can believe. But when we are perplexed, when we don't have answers, when we feel like God doesn't hear, God is saying, I do hear, and my justice and my righteousness will come forth. I need you to stand. And I just feel like I want to stand. I just feel like I want to believe God. Who loves God? I love God. I want to stand. I want to be able to believe God. I want to believe that in the end, it is going to speak. And I believe in answered prayer. I do. But sometimes you've got to go through a three days of death before that prayer gets answered. Sometimes something bad happens to you before something good happens to you. I don't know why. You know, God is truly sovereign, and yet our will is involved in it. What, how we choose to live and what we choose to do, God is interacting with us. One time in the Word, I'm trying to finish, one time in the Word, God was looking all over and said, who can I send and who's going to go for me? He's looking to and fro, trying to find somebody that'll speak for him. Finally, some little kid steps out, like a little Gabriel or Jonathan just steps out and says, I'll go. All the old people are running back to their mansions and their BMWs. And this little prophet, I'll, I'll go. And he says, okay, I'll take you. Let me read this scripture, because this is how this book is ending, and I'm not doing the book justice. Will you read it? You ought to read it. It's really phenomenal. At the end of chapter 3, he says, and I wrote down here, the nature of faith. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vine, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet 
like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high places. I wrote down there 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where he talks about walking by faith and not by sight. Ultimately, all faith is faith in God. Ultimately, all faith is faith in God. Do we believe that God is good? Do we believe, even though we don't feel it, we don't sense it, we don't see it, is God, God is going to get us where He wants us to go. That if we trust God, in the end, it will speak to us. The vision that He's told us, the vision that He's shared with us, the promises that He has made us, even though we don't see Him, we don't feel Him, and we're not, do we have the ability and the faith to believe God, even though I don't see it, sense it, feel it? I believe you that I, you will set my feet like deer's feet, and I'm going to walk on my high places, and I'm going to see your plan and will in my life. Do we believe it? Your faith matters. You can fail. You can quit. You're allowed to quit. I know many preachers that have quit. I know people that have quit on marriages. I know people that have quit on their church. I know pastors that have walked away. You can quit. You're allowed to quit. Everybody, God's sovereign. You know, every, no, you can quit. You can stop following God. You can give up. You can throw in the towel. But God says, if you don't quit, you're going to win. You're going to win. It may be in the resurrection. And if he's given you a vision and you write that vision down, it will come to pass. God cannot lie. Write it down. Put it in the bank. Put your faith in God. And that's ultimately the message that God gave Habakkuk. Don't be proud. Believe me. Trust me and believe what I'm saying. And what you do in response to God's sovereignty matters. It matters to you, your family, and to everybody else. I don't know the divine interplay between how much is God and how much is us, but what I know this, what you do matters. How you live matters. The example you set, whether you obey God matters. Someone say amen. amen. I can't go into it because I want to talk about what's burning in my spirit. I'm praying all week. I want you to join with me in prayer. I'm praying all week. I'm really locking down. I want to reach our community. I want to reach people. And one man by himself can't do it. And I'm praying a lot about God reaching our community. I want you to lock down and pray. I want you to lock into Luke 18.1. And even though you don't understand stuff going on in our nation, you don't agree, you have all these questions, I want you to lock down and pray for our country. Pray for our nation. But something the Lord has birthed in me and just on fire is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And if we're going to live by faith, we have to make God's mission our mission. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray and let you go. Anybody have anything you want to say before I close Sunday school up today? Praise the Lord. Amen. I can't promise you every question you have to God's going to get answered on this side. But I do promise you, if you're faithful to God, you'll never regret it. And if you quit, you will regret it. I ran a half marathon yesterday, and on mile 13, my calf was burning on fire. I mean, it was literally burning on fire. I almost started crying, not from the pain, because I didn't want that old guy behind me to beat me. 
true story. I'm like, I don't want that old guy to beat me. I kept saying, I'm not going to yield. I'm not going to yield. And I'm hobbling through the finish line. And I was, you know, I literally almost cried. I just could not, not baby cry, but I didn't want to stop running. I'm like, I've come 12 miles. I can't quit now. Calf burning. I said, if I get injured and I have to cry, man, in my mind, if I got to crawl across that finish line, I'm going to. And I finished and I beat that old guy. (laughs) I think he was 61. I'm 62. I beat that old guy. You think I was sad that I kept running? I was happy as a pig in mud. Yes, I didn't quit. My calf's fine today. Father, thank you for giving us an indomitable spirit that when we want to quit, you strengthen us with might by your spirit in our inner man. Lord, the the righteous person is going to live by faith. We can depend on what you are telling us in our individual lives, in our mission, in our church, anything you're saying, we can write it down and take it to the bank. Lord, I pray, I know some here have taken some major blows, and they probably have all kind of questions. But Lord, you're the answer to every question, and you have a plan. And I know ultimately, Lord, it's going to be good if we do not quit. And we're not going to quit, Lord. I bless your people. I pray you encourage your people today. You straighten up our backbone. You put our heads in the air and fill us with faith in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That's for you.